Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Man, you can be seated. If you haven't already, I want to invite you to take out a copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians. Sorry, Mike wasn't on. I invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at the first four verses this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, the verses will be on the screens behind me. Uh, before we took a break for Palm Sunday and Easter, we were walking through the book of Acts, and our typical practice at the church at Trace Crossing is to walk through Bible books verse by verse, because we are trusting the Lord as he has revealed himself to speak directly into what we are dealing with as a church. So we, we want to go to the scriptures and see what the Lord has for us there, and we believe one of the best ways for us to do that, to keep us honest, is to walk through books of the Bible verse by verse. Um, as we were coming out of Easter, uh, I, you know, as a pastoral staff, we had a decision to make. Are we going to jump right back into Acts um, because we're in chapter 9 in Acts, starting a new section there? Or do we believe we need to go somewhere else? And I spent a lot of time in prayer and, and just reading, reading the Word. And after Easter, especially on Monday, I typically, the day after Easter, like to go to every passage that I can find in the New Testament that speaks about uh, being raised with Christ. I, I think about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of my own heart, my own soul, my own life, um, that future reality, that present reality, and I started thinking about it, and then I, I got to Colossians 3, because when you do a search, obviously you're going to come to Colossians 3, as you see in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, is how it, how it begins. And, and as I was reading Colossians 3, I could not come away with any other conclusion than our church needs Colossians 3 right now. We, we desperately need to hear the word of the Lord in Colossians 3. Uh, for the next three weeks, we're going to be walking through the, the first 15 verses of Colossians 3. This morning, we're looking at the first four. Next week, we're looking at verses 5 through 11. And the following week, we're going to look at verses 12 through 15. I challenge those who were here on Wednesday to memorize as much of this passage as possible. So, you know, whatever you feel like you are capable of handling or have time to handle, I want you to be memorizing portions of Colossians 3. So if all you can handle is Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it's just too crazy right now, then that's fine. If you want to go for it and memorize all of Colossians 3, 1 through 15, then go for it. But I want to encourage you to spend a lot of time here. Um, it's important for a couple reasons. First, coming out of Easter, every single year we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Hopefully we do that more than just on Easter, but at least on Easter we all celebrate and recognize the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do, what typically brings you most joy as you think about the resurrection of Jesus? We sing it in our songs all the time, that Jesus has conquered death. 
that we have hope for eternal life because Jesus walked out of the tomb one day our bodies will be raised from the dead and we will have new glorified bodies and so when we think about our benefits in the resurrection of Jesus they're all future 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 one day in the future this is going to be our reality Paul takes it in a different direction and he begins this entire section on how we are supposed to live together in the community of faith and he begins it by saying if then you have been raised with Christ past tense so you're you're a believer you're a Christian you have faith in Jesus I want to tell you what's happened to you you have experienced resurrection in the same way that Jesus has already one day you will experience physical resurrection it's our hope but we need this passage because as we're coming out of Easter we don't need to leave the resurrection behind we need to understand that what we celebrated last week impacts every single day moving forward through our lives as we follow Jesus the resurrection of Jesus opened the door for us to have new life with him as well. And we need to see that. Another reason it's important for us to be in Colossians 3 right now, and especially these, as we consider these first four verses, we all in, in America right now, and we are not immune to this, we're having an identity crisis. If, if I asked you, to, to just write down right now an answer to this question, what would you write? If I asked you, who are you? Who are you? H how do you primarily think of yourself? Do you primarily think of yourself in relation to your job? Do you, do you primarily think of yourself in relation to your family? Are you torn over these things? If I asked you right now, hey, you have 30 seconds, that's probably too much time, but if you had 30 seconds to write down an answer to the question, who are you, at the end of the 30 seconds, maybe you would sit there with a blank page, and you're like, I don't know. I mean, I, I am a Christian, but when I really think about it, if I actually evaluated, took stock in, in the hours of my days, I would probably have to honestly say that my identity is caught up in something else. We each face an identity crisis. In Colossians 3, Paul is abundantly clear. From verse 5 to verse 15, he's giving these exhortations, these commands. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to live. This is not how you're supposed to live. But it's all rooted in a very clear and specific identity. You have been raised with Christ. You have new life. And, and we need to consider that. Another reason we need to be in Colossians 3 during the season, once we get down to verse 5, and we start, we start looking at what it means to put off the old self, and then we get down to verse 12, and we see what it means to put on the new self, we're going to see a path to being a healthier church. All right? How can we be better as a church? How can we be healthier? How can we be holier? How can we love one another better? We'll need plans. We'll need strategies. We'll need to learn from mistakes. We'll need, we'll need to, you know, spend time talking to each other. What, okay, what are our expectations of one another and all that? All of that and more. 
but none of our strategies to look like Jesus will work apart from a work of Jesus in our lives. We can't just go to verses 5 through 15, create a bullet list, and then email it out to you guys and say, don't do these, these things, do these things. If we can all get on the same page here, we'll be a healthier church. It won't work. It won't work. Not apart from this work of Jesus in our lives. When Jesus rose from the dead, he invited us into new life. And it is only by partaking of this new life and walking in this new life that we will be able to glorify God in our individual lives and in our church. So one question over the next few weeks, what does it mean for our lives that we have been raised with Christ? This morning, if you have your notes, I'm going to invite you to take those out. Um, I'm not going to be walking through them point by point. I'm just going to be preaching this passage, but um, that's a general uh, flow of the sermon this morning. Um, there's a main idea at the top that I, I want to emphasize to you, and it says, because we are raised with Christ, we have new life, which creates a new mindset for how to live. I want to emphasize two things this morning from Colossians 3, 1 through 4 to kick off this series. And the first is I want to discuss this new life that we have. What is this new life? And then second, I want to show you that this new life that we have, this new identity, this new reality that was accomplished for us by Jesus through his resurrection creates a brand new mindset. And the mindset that Paul talks about in these four verses is the key to fulfilling the rest of this chapter. This mindset. It's all right. So our new life and our new mindset. Let's let's start with our new life. Okay. So Paul speaks of our new life in Christ in three ways. He begins in verse one and he says, "We have been raised with Christ." He says, "If then you have been raised with Christ." So he opens with this condition, this conditional statement that is a certainty. If then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, since you have been raised with Christ. He's declaring something over us. And earlier in Colossians 2, he talked about how we have died with Christ. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But we've not only died with Christ in his death, we have been raised with Christ through his resurrection. Now, what does this mean? Because it's important for us to catch this. We cannot get to any of the ethical demands later in the chapter apart from this reality. You have been raised with Christ. If you're in this room and you are a believer, you have turned from your sin and you have trusted in Jesus. You have been raised with Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, first, it means that, very simply, the resurrection of Jesus creates present realities as much as it does future realities for us. We talked about that in, uh, a little bit ago. When we think about the resurrection, we typically emphasize the future realities, the conquered death, the future resurrection that we have. But Paul says that the resurrection is far more powerful than we can even imagine. The resurrection of Jesus opened up for all of his followers a new life and a new identity, a new reality, a new way of living in the world, even a fallen world. We have been raised by faith in Jesus, we not only look forward to future resurrection, we walk in resurrection life here and now. 
Easy way to think about it. When you think about eternal life, where does your mind go? It goes to heaven, right? When you think of eternal life, you think of heaven. When Jesus grants you eternal life, it begins now. Death is in the past. We're going to see that in just a second. We have, we have already died. We have already died. We have already been raised to new life. And this life that we now have is never going to end. Never going to end. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, he made it possible for us to experience spiritual resurrection even before we experience physical resurrection. So as we are growing in sanctification, as we are growing in Christ-likeness, that is only going to increase. And as our bodies decay and they decrease over time, one day in the future, our resurrected bodies will parallel and match our resurrected souls. But we already have been raised from the dead within. Jesus' resurrection ushered in a new age. And by conquering death, we see that the king has taken his throne at the right hand of God, and he has invited all of us to join him in his life. So one thing you just need to see here very simply is that you have been raised to new life. You have not achieved new life. You have not earned new life. You have been raised. The Lord himself has given you new life as a gift of grace, and it's on the basis of Jesus' death and resurrection. So we have been raised with Christ. This is one part of our new life or our new identity. Second, we have died. So it follows, right? If you have been raised, that means you had to have died. All right? So obviously he's speaking spiritually here. And this is one of the greatest realities in the universe. That even though you know, you're, you're alive, you're breathing, you're here, you're up, you're awake, hopefully at least for now, um, you're, you're with us. Paul says, when you trusted in Jesus, you died, and you were given new life. This is one of the greatest realities in the universe. You have already passed from death to life. Can you think about that for just a minute? You have passed from death to life already. What, could, what does that mean? What could that possibly mean? Paul writes with piercing certainty in verse 3. Look at verse 3. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's an odd thing to read, you have died. Because if, I, if I've died, I shouldn't be reading that. But he's very clear and he's very certain. You have been raised to new life because you have died to an old life. That's over. This is in the past. And this is crucial for our growth as Christians. The only way that we can grow into Christ-likeness, the only way that we can reflect Jesus to one another in our church and in our city is if we start thinking of ourselves like this. Do you think of yourself like this? As someone who has died and who has been given new life. We have died with Christ and we have been raised with Christ. 
John Piper, he, he, he describes it as two great glories. He says, two great glories, past and future, bracket and hold up all the pain and frustrations, all the ambiguities and uncertainties of this life. Behind us is the glory that our death is past. The worst is over. It happened on Good Friday. Above us and before us is the glory that our life is absolutely secure with Christ and God and will someday be manifested in glory. It happened on Resurrection Sunday. So part of this new life that we have, you need to start thinking of yourself in these terms. I have died. I'm not just, you know, struggling with things. No, I have died, and I have been raised to life. It's who I am. Now we're going to get into, is our life going to align with our new identity? But this is the identity. This is who you are. I remember whenever I... uh, uh, transferred to a new school my freshman year of high school um i I transferred to a school that had a a, you know long-running tradition of success in in boys basketball and so i was on the basketball team as a freshman and one of the things that they did they indoctrinated you culturally like you had to catch on to the fact we are winners we are winners i mean and it was just instilled in you we would we would have a pregame i remember we played the number one team in the state one time at home they were so much better than us. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even funny how much better they were than us. But it was so instilled in our minds, every single person in our locker room believed that we were going to win the game because you know why we were going to win the game? We were winners. We started from this place of identity. We win. It's what we do. It's who we are. And then, you know, hopefully as you, as you play, that you know, the outcome aligns with what your identity is. We need to start thinking of ourselves like this. We can't just start saying, well, we need to to change our behaviors. We need to start doing this better or that better. It won't work. You have to start at the core. Start with your heart. Who are you now? Who are you in Christ? You're resurrected. You are raised with him to new life, and you have died to your old life. Okay, so so we have died. But then there's, there's one more, one more aspect here. This is the most fascinating. We are hidden with Christ, who is our life. So, so look, this is really fun. Look at verse 3 and 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, so a few things here. Your life, this resurrected life that you now have, is hidden with Christ. And Christ is your life. See, we're just getting deeper and deeper into the glories of Jesus. You're hidden in Christ, and Jesus is your life. Now, what, what on earth is, is meant here? I, I want to show you three things here, all right? So I'm going to run th- through these really quickly, but, but I think it's important for us to see it. First, what does it mean that your life is hidden in Christ? First, first it means that we are able to live our lives in such a way that when others see us, they see more of Jesus than they do of us. All right, that was, that was a long sentence. So it means that we are able to live our lives in such a way that when others see us, they see more of Jesus than they see of us. So there is a way to live right now in this fallen, broken world with all of your, your fallenness and sinfulness and brokenness, there is a way to live now that so glorifies Jesus 
that it's almost like we just become little mirrors reflecting the nature and character of Jesus. There is a way to live that causes other people, when they see you, what they're really seeing is Jesus. Your life is hidden in him. Christ is your life. There's a way to live this way, and we're not going to get into the specifics of it. I want you to catch the identity. The specifics come later, come, come especially in, chapter tw- or in verse 12 of, of chapter 3. Second, what does it mean that your life is hidden in Christ? It means that the true you, the true you, will not be in full view in this life. So although we have been raised to new life, we all recognize and know, we feel it every day, we still have a sinful nature. And and next week we're going to see that we have an old self and we have a new self that are both within us. And we are expected to put to death, to crucify the old self and to put on the old self. Being raised with Christ means we have a new self, but until Jesus returns or until we die, the old self will still linger within. But Paul says here that our life is hidden with Christ. So in part, that means that our truest self is caught up with Jesus. It's not in full view. It has not yet been revealed, not even to us. It is hidden. It is kept hidden by Jesus. Now, one day when Christ appears, we also will appear with him in glory. And on that day, we will shine with the glory of the Lord both inside and out. But right now, right now, this resurrection life we have, this life that we have been raised to live, it is hidden in Christ only to be revealed later. But, but third, to be hidden in Christ means that we are safe and secure in Jesus. I'm pick up on you know pick up on this this theme when when you know the boys and I we play hide and seek, and I for some reason I always have to be a partner you know so if if, if you know the if Jude or Jack get, gets caught I get caught too you know we hide together. But he hides, and whenever we hide, you know, we'll hide in a closet or whatever. He, he gets real close, as if that would make it any better, you know. Um, but he gets really close. And so when he hides, he wants to hide really near to me. So he's safe, he's secure. As we're hiding in Jesus, our lives are hidden in Jesus. It means that Jesus has accomplished for us what we could never accomplish for ourselves. We could never attain a glorious new life through moral improvement. We could not read the Bible enough, pray enough, go to church enough to achieve eternal life. We can't simply turn over a new leaf or start from scratch. And that's why the gospel is such sweet news for sinners. It's not sweet news for the self-righteous. The gospel is sweet news for sinners. Because sinners know a clean slate won't help do-overs won't do because we just keep on failing we don't need improvement we need resurrection we need resurrection we need someone to bring us from death to life (coughs) excuse me so we praise God that through the life death and resurrection of Jesus we have died and we have been raised with Christ And our lives are now hidden with him. Now, why is this important? 
Why is this so crucial? <coughs> oh, forgive me. Forgive me, live stream. That was probably rough. The ultimate goal of resurrection life is to reflect the resurrected Jesus. So understanding that your life is in Christ, understanding that your life is hidden in Christ, and the fact that Christ is your life puts you on a path to holiness. And we are so prone to reverse that path. We are prone to think that we have to figure out how to live a life that's pleasing to God, and then he will reward us with new life. We will receive new life once we figure our lives out. But what would happen if we would start clinging to the truth that our new life begins with resurrection, with the work of God in us? Then we would see that new life in Christ is the starting point and not the end result of our spiritual growth. So by thinking of yourself as a new creation, you can start to live as a thank you very much. That is helpful. I usually have water up here somewhere. It's because we moved the pulpit, you know. Whoever, whoever moved the pulpit moved the water. Um, but it's important to think of yourself as a new creation so that you can start to live as a new creation. If you see yourself as having new life, you can begin to live in a way that conforms to that new life. And we're going to do that over the next couple weeks. But it's important now to see that through a work of God, and a work of God alone, through what he's done for us in his death and resurrection, you have been raised with Christ to a new life. Now, the key to living as one who has been raised with Christ is found in the middle of our passage today. Before we can live out the new practices that are consistent with the new life that we've been given, we have to have a new mindset. So let's, let's consider our new mindset for a second. Look at verse 2. This is the key. Well, actually, start with verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, here's a command. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So the first expectation of resurrection life is to develop a new mindset. So on the basis of our spiritual resurrection, on the basis of our new hidden life in Christ, Paul offers three versions of the same command. You, you saw it, right? First, he said, seek the things that are above. Second, he said, set your mind on the things that are above. And then he said, negatively, not on things that are on earth. So, we need to unpack this, and we need to do it very carefully. First, we need to ask, what is meant by seeking? What is seeking? What is setting your mind on? What, what, is, what are we actually supposed to be doing here? Now, I've got to be honest with you. When I've read this passage in the past, and I've read, seek the things that are above, and set your minds on the things that are above, I immediately just thought about learning. I have COVID. Sorry, uh, too soon. Um, I've thought primarily about learning. Okay, if I'm going to set my mind on the things that are above, if I'm going to seek the things that are above, I just need to, to gain more knowledge. 
I need to read the Bible more. I need to read systematic theologies, and I need to just know more about God. And if I'll know more about God, then I'm, I'm obeying this passage, and, and then I'll, you know, uh, be able to live the life that, that has been granted to me in Jesus. But don't we all know? We all know of people who have deep biblical and theological knowledge who do not live the resurrection life. We, we know people, and, and you know yourself. You know, you, you feel like you are a contradiction yourself when you read the Bible, and then you go out and you live in ways that are so inconsistent with what the Bible asks you to do. And it's frustrating. We, we know that this is a reality, but the answer to growing in Christ-likeness and reflecting the glory of Jesus is not learn a bunch of stuff. I mean, I, J- James, he, sh- he shared with me even just before the, the service, this, this theologian that we respect or you know, have respected deeply and have learned a lot from, one of the brightest uh, young theologians in the country has just said that he's no longer a believer. I mean, knowledge alone won't do it. I mean, Paul, Paul is saying here, you have been raised with Christ to new life, and so to grow in that new life, to reflect the glory of Jesus, seek the things that are above set your mind on the things that are above it can't just be about learning seeking involves not only the mind but also the will Paul is essentially saying think deeply allow your thoughts to dwell have a burning desire in your heart for the things that are above this is more of an obsession than a mental exercise be obsessed with the things of heaven. Be fixated on the things that are above. And, and so Paul's basically saying here, in order to reflect Jesus through our actions, we have to desire Jesus in our hearts. In order to reflect Jesus in our actions, we have to desire him in our hearts. Paul is commanding us to have a particular disposition, a particular attitude, a new mindset, a new way of thinking about things. Set your mind on the things that are above. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the things that are above. Since you have been granted new life in Christ, think about the things that are where Christ is. Now, here's why this works for genuine transformation toward Christ-likeness. What your heart focuses on most is what it will become like. What your heart focuses on most is what it will become like. Not just your mind, the things you think about. I I think about a lot of stuff throughout the day, you know. But what your heart is fixated on. What captivates you. What captivates your imagination. You'll start to become like that. I mean, you you know. The more time you spend with people, um, you know, I I almost feel like my, my Appalachian accent is almost gone, you know, being out of Appalachia for so long. Um, living, living down here, it happens. You, you work with people, you almost start to like mirror their personalities just a little bit, except for the people you clash with, and then you're like, nope, because you're making an intentional choice. Um, but the things that you are captivated by, the things that, that just blow your mind, you'll start to become like those things. So that's what Paul has in mind here. Set your mind on the things that are above. Set your mind on Jesus. Seek him. Seek after his ways. And then we will reflect him. Our words, our actions, our behaviors, our thoughts, they reveal the focus of our hearts. So seek and set your minds on things that are above where Christ reigns. 
It's only then that we can live consistently with our new life in him. Now, um, what should we be seeking? Because Paul just says the things that are above. And he doesn't really define it for us. At minimum, we can say Jesus. What I would like to say is that conforming our lives to the resurrection life we've been given means to aspire to reflect the character of Jesus. We're talking mindset here. What are your aspirations as a Christian? What are your aspirations for our church? I hope at the top of the list is to reflect Jesus, to show Jesus in, in your place of work, in, in, your, in our church, in our city, to look like him, to uh, uh, you know, act in ways that he would act if he were here. We can't do that without seeking Jesus, setting our minds on Jesus. One scholar put it this way, to concentrate the mind on the character of Jesus Christ, on that unique blend of love and strength revealed in the Gospels, is to begin on earth to reflect the very life of heaven. I want you to think about that for just a second. Christ is in heaven, and he is living his life the way that he would if he was on earth because he is unchangeable, he is unchanging. If we are reflecting Jesus, we are reflecting the very life of heaven on earth. The things that are above are those things that are shaped by the risen and reigning Christ. And the things that are on earth, which we are to not set our mind on, are those things that are not shaped by the risen and reigning Christ. Being raised with Christ means that we are now empowered to manifest heaven on earth. And this path begins to play out in our lives by seeking and setting our minds on Christ. Now, why should we do it? Why should we do it? Well, first, we should do it because it's who we are. We are raised with Christ. We have new life in him. Our life is hidden in Christ, and Christ is our life. So we want our individual lives, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, what we think about, what we plan for, what we dream for, we want it to conform to the new life that we have been given in Christ. And it can't happen any other way. But second, we want our church to reflect the real Jesus in our city. We don't have time for anything else. That's hard enough for us to build. That has to become our focus. We have to reflect the real Jesus in a city that is saturated with church tradition and has been forever. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have a lot of churches in a town, but what it means is you likely have a lot of people who grew up in churches and may have, are very familiar with church life, but maybe they're not very familiar with Jesus. It's entirely possible. And so our aims... Our desires, our aspirations as a church have to be centered on reflecting the real Jesus in our city. And how are we going to do that? Well, first it starts with knowing our identity. We are raised with Christ. We have new life. And then the way to play that out in our lives, the key, is to set our minds on the things that are above. Seek Jesus. Desire him. Yearn for him. Want him. Make it the desire of your life to reflect Jesus in our city. Now, um, practically, how can you do it? 
Well, I want to answer that by challenging you to do something this week. So I, I really do believe that the Lord will use Colossians 3 in a big way in our church. Um, I, I promise you that's not going to happen if you're not seeking the things that are above. I, I promise. It's not, it, this isn't magic, you know. Paul says you have been raised with Christ, so then there's an expectation on you. You have to do something. You set your mind on the things that are above. Seek the things that are above. So I want to encourage you to do that this week. Do it, do it in a few ways. Since seeking and setting your mind is a crossover of the mind and the will, I want to encourage you to read Colossians 3, 1 through 4 this week, every single day. Every day. Those are, that's four verses. That's real easy. Wake up in the morning, read Colossians 3, 1 through 4, and then pray. Thank the Lord for these realities. Ask yourself, what, what do they mean? Meditate on them. Journal about them. Write down your own thoughts, your own questions, but do it every single day. Every day this week, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Pray and meditate on these realities that you have been raised with Christ. And then, you know, one thing you could do, added, added bonus, you could discuss with others. You could discuss in your life group. You could discuss over coffee with someone. You know, I've been thinking about this, you know, and I don't think I've been owning my identity as someone who has new life in Jesus. I don't think I've been given that very much thought at all. And I want to start doing that. You could talk about that with someone. But one way you can seek the things that are above and set your mind on the things that are above is by meditating deeply on the word and praying asking God to give you a desire to reflect him better in your life John Piper he, he says no one gains the mindset of heaven passively no one you seek it or you don't have it so we have responsibilities here this is an expectation you can't even have the expectation without God working first he worked first you have been raised with Christ. He did that. But now we are responsible for developing the mindset of heaven, seeking it. And if you don't seek it, you don't have it. The pathway to this new mindset is rooted in the death and resurrection that is already behind us. And the foundation has been laid. So let's seek and set our minds on heavenly things. Let's think deeply, let's dwell, let's meditate on the person and work of Jesus. The realities that he is seated at the right hand of God, that your true life is hidden in him and that you have been raised to new life. And that one day he will appear in glory and on that day our truest self will be fully revealed for who they are in Jesus.